The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Heads, vote later. Now it's time for .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Rory Blythe. This is Jeff Maciolik, here to announce show number 85, The Whidbey Show, with guests Scott Burmester, Steve Cellini, Carter Maslin, and Jeff Sandquist. Recorded live Friday, October 15th, 2004. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net. Training developers to work smarter, and now offering hands-on VBNet, ASPNet, and C-Sharp classes online at www.franklins.net. And by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASPNet web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, Microsoft Technologies in-depth for IT managers and developers, online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who believes that marriage is between a man and his code, Carl Franklin! Thanks, Jeff. And uh, we here at .NET Rocks are a bipartisan uh, entity. And we don't support either candidate. We, in fact, are apolitical. Are we not, Jeff? Yeah, he's muted now. So, uh, welcome to the show. I'm Carl, and Rory Blythe, my co-host, is on vacation this week. He actually got a better gig, so <laughs> he's not here. But uh, filling in for Rory this week is our old friend Kirk Webb. Thank you. Thank you. How, How are, are you? you? Good. How you doing, Carl? Good. <sighs> so, did you get the motorcycle or not? Um. Well. Yeah, I actually uh, put the money down, some money down on it, and it's uh, it's it's in the works. I had to make the order before the wife changed the mind. So uh, yeah, so she lets December, you do it. December, December so far. Okay, is when it's coming. Now just just to, to rewind a little, you first bought a bike, and then you're you got some grief at home for it, so you had to sell it, and now you're buying another bike. Yeah. So is this one better than the Slightly, first one? Yeah. the The first one was an Indian, uh, and uh, oh, as much wow. as I like them, that's an old bike too. It was, this was a 2003, the last oh, year oh, they made oh, them. Oh. But I didn't know was, they were still making them. It's been sitting. Well, they just stopped actually. They uh, oh. it was sitting on the lot for a few uh, years. So this one's ah. going to be a 2005 Harley. So I decided to go with that. So. Oh, good. Yeah, it's all about. So you the, didn't uh, ride it up here in the rain tonight, did you? No, they won't give it to me. It's not built yet. So uh, ooh. Yeah, December, baby. It is raining outside. Vigorously. Vigorously. Cats, dogs, frogs. It's it's raining lots of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So what's going on at work? Are they, are you, uh, is your head going down, your head size going down? Are they tripping over <laughs> it still to work or? Yes, and the reams of spaghetti code is coming to a slow trickle. That's good. Yeah, meetings, meetings, meetings. It's all about meetings lately. Yeah. How's your, how's your .NET experience going at work? Good, good, actually. Um, doing more .NET than, uh. 
I ever had a chance to before, which is yeah. fantastic. And uh, we're now looking forward to looking, you know, to the future of what right. else. I've been given a position, luckily, to evaluate new things, new mm-hmm. technologies, and uh, how do we appropriately position the new stuff. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to upgrade a lot of old stuff. Right, right, right. Stuff, old stuff. And next year. That's a great middle, job. It is. You know, middle of next year, late next year, we're going to we're gonna start looking at uh, some new stuff and We'll be hopefully it's going to be out by then. Yeah. Yeah, we hope. We'll find out tonight. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Also in the studio is Dan Carla, and uh, he doesn't want a microphone. He's anonymous, but he does. He is sitting at the table and he does have a beer. Say hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. Yeah. So, but uh, he he does prefer to be anonymous. So anyway, um, we do have uh, some mail to talk about. We, uh, by the way, last this week for me, by the way, has all been about podcasting. Podcasting has sort of uh, taken over my focus in the last week or so. Um, we we talked about it first two shows ago where uh, Mitch Denny, I think it was, or one of the guys in the chat room sent us a link to um, a post by Doc Searles, which sort of wrapped up all this podcasting talk that's been going on. And apparently podcasting is essentially what our fans have been doing with .NET Rocks except automated, which is that uh, you you produce a show like .NET Rocks or an audio blog or some other form of audio content that's published on a regular basis. And instead of just supplying an RSS feed so that people can be notified when there's new MP3s out there, you actually run a program that downloads the MP3. So inside the RSS is a little enclosure tag that has a link to the MP3, and then a program like iPotter, which you can get at iPotter.org, will download uh, those MP3 files directly to your iPod, hence the word podcasting, or to a folder on your hard drive, sort of like a push model for audio content. And um, you know everybody's talking about it within just in the last few weeks. And so what we did immediately last week, uh, which we talked about on Chris Sell's show, was we started publishing RSS feeds to have the enclosures so people are now using uh, – we're now podcasting officially. So – and we have been for a week, uh, for a couple of weeks, a week and a half. All right, whatever. So anyway, uh, you know, I was quoted in Wired Magazine. They talked to me about it and we're in Adam Curry's list of uh, pioneers on his uh, on his blog, Adam Curry – the ex VJ from MTV is sort of turned kind of podcast. That like, yeah, that's really? right. The hair guy. Wow. The hair guy. Yeah. yeah. We ought to have him on the show if this the thing really ticks off. But I do want to announce this that the the audio talent and equipment and technology that we have here at Franklin's Net that produced the show, we're now subbing that out. we we have a, a company called Pwop, P W O P, and you can check it out at www.pwop.com. And essentially, if you want to produce your own talk show, your own .NET Rocks type of thing, or your own uh, audio blog or interview or telephone, whatever, and produce it on a regular basis or just a one-off, you can contact us and we can do it. And the guest can be in one room and somewhere in the world. The host can be in another place in the world and the talent can be on the telephone and and we can just make it all happen. So check that out. That's the news from from here. So now let's get to the mail. Uh, This one came from Jeremy Blosier, or Blosser, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his last name, but he says, hey, Carl, Rory, and gang, I saw that at Chris Sell's XML DevCon, 
Don Box is going to talk about WS.Y. <laughs> and uh, I was – that's W-H-Y. And I was hoping that you guys could have Don on sometime to talk about the same stuff. Uh, I've been doing a lot with some of that – the WS specs, security compression, eventing lately. And I seem to remember listening to Don Box on DNR back in episode 45 – January 4. Maybe it was somewhere else, though, that he was talking about how WS wasn't going to be the horrible route that Com did, blah, 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 blah. But with the explosion of the WS specs, it seems like this is another take of the same crap, except that this time it might or might not work in the cross-platform world. Well, how's that for a definitive uh, position? I also love to hear what his take is on versioning seeming to be such a major hassle with web services. Uh, thanks. You guys do a great job, and I love the show. Jeremy Blosser. Okay. Got a couple of suggestions for you, Jeremy. For Yes, you're right. We did talk about at least a little bit with Don Box on the show we did with him, this stuff. Also, the show we did with uh, um, Benjamin Mitchell and the show we did with John Alexander and Barry Gervin, uh, where Michelle LaRue Bustamante came in those two weeks there, sort of back-to-back. We were all talking about this stuff, Wissy and and versioning and and all that kind of stuff. Also, listen to the show we did with Harry Pearson and Keith, please. I think that you'll get some great information in regards to uh, you know web services, service-oriented architecture. The Clemens Vaster show is all about SOA. Uh, and so we've been talking about this stuff. You just got to go back and, and listen to it again. And it's still fresh. Uh, next one came from uh, Benjamin Martins. And Benjamin wrote some haiku for Kirk. Yeah, yeah. He says, hey, guys, in my search for swag, I write my haiku email to find useless crap. <laughs> listen to your shows, even listen live sometimes. Keeps me up to date. Poor strange new guy, Kirk. People don't like his segment. I have an idea. <laughs> .NET examples. Find interesting programs. The best on the web. Kirk's Geek Hall of Fame, or maybe Kirk's.net Shrine, even Kirk's Nerd Hut. <laughs> Keep up the good work, Ben. Well, <clears throat> let's just go check the uh, the status of the uh, you know the the survey, shall we? Yeah, I'm I'm on the outs. You are, and the survey. Let's check it out. So this is at www.franklins.net/webpoll. Uh, and what do That's you think of W-E-B-B. Yes. Brilliant, isn't it? Mm. What do you think of Kirk Webb's weird wide web yeah, I can't even say it weird wide web bit? Awesome, don't change it, takes the lead with thirty six point thirty four. But would you rather hear Kirk Webb do something uh, some other bit on the show instead of the weird wide web? No has now surpassed yes, sixty two point ninety seven to thirty seven oh three. Should we have Kirk Webb killed gets an overwhelming no by half, sixty seven to thirty two. If you answered yes, please select a method of execution or choose let him live. Uh, firearm, 2%. Knife, 0.31%. Fire hose, uh, 7%. Flare, got 3%. Acid, got 7%. Cement shoes, got 96 I don't care, just kill him, got 12%. <laughs> and overwhelmingly, let him live, got 58%. So it's looking good for you, Kirk. But it looks like uh, people want you to – they want to hear more of Kirk. Than just silly websites, apparently. But you know that's as it stands right now. You know it could totally turn on a dime. 
Lastly, this one came from um, somebody who didn't leave their name, but it looks like if I was interpreting their email address that the name is Fedora Vasquez. And Fedora, uh, I'm sorry, he says his name or she, I'm not sure. Fedora Andres. How's that for terribly politically incorrect? I don't know what gender know. Fedora is. <laughs> You're right. It's in a Columbia. hat. It's a hat. Yeah, Fedora is a hat, but a hat. Fe- Fedor, F-E-D-O-R. Oh, okay. I'm not sure if that's a, um, you know, no whatever. idea. All right. Uh, and maybe he could or she could uh, tell us. My name is Fedor Andres. I'm from Colombia, and I've been listening to your show one after another, and it rocks. I'm a .NET developer, and I really love your show because it gives me a lot of info that I can use to take decisions here, uh, to make decisions here at my work, and also have fun in the process. It's really cool. Congratulations. So .NET rocks in Colombia, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. I drink coffee in your honor, Fedor. It's iced coffee, but yeah, Kirk's got beer. Sorry. Uh, uh, Dan's got beer. Root beer, honey. Root beer. (laughs) So uh, we were actually, the last time we checked, which was earlier in the year, we were listened to by people in over 50 countries. It's probably increased by now, but... uh, uh, another thing that that we've been talking about is franchising out to different countries. So if you listen to .NET Rocks in your country and there's a lot of things going on in your country that you think deserve – your country deserves its own .NET Rocks show with your local language and your local people doing the .NET scene there, give us a call and let us know. We're actually in the process of getting some documentation together for, for franchising. Yeah. And we actually have one person who wants to do that. So, yeah, it's uh, amazed me, too, that our silly show could be elevated to such high statue. Anyway, Kirk. How do you uh, say messy dressy down in <laughs> Colombia? I don't know. I think they would stay away from that one if they were smart. Yeah, well. um, so the guest tonight, this is the Whidbey Show, by the way, Kirk, and yes. it's all about Whidbey. We've talked about Whidbey in the past and in specific terms, ASP.NET with Scott Guthrie. Uh, VBNet with Amanda Silver and Paul Vick, uh, C Sharp 2.0 with Javal Lowy. But we really haven't sort of talked to, uh, you know, a broader scale of the whole Whidbey, you know, push. And this month is uh, the Whidbey month at Microsoft in a uh, program that they're calling the .NET or, or the Microsoft Evangelism Rhythms. The Evangelism Rhythms basically mean that we're going to have a coordinated evangelism effort at Microsoft to push different or to talk about different topics at different months. And October happens to be the month of Whidbey. So what we decided to do here at .NET Rocks is invite uh, people from Microsoft once a month to come on the show and, and, and talk about, you know, what they're talking about in terms of uh, evangelism rhythms. So tonight we have uh, four group managers uh, for technical evangelism at Microsoft and you may read their blogs or you may have heard of them before. I'm sure you have. Jeff Sandquist, Steve Cellini, Carter Maslin, and Scott Burmester. How are you guys doing? Great. Doing great. Uh, great. Good. And uh, let's, uh, let me just have you guys introduce yourself one at a time, and I'll go in alphabetical order so that we can get used to what you sound like and, uh, and hear from out of the horse's mouth, you know. So, uh, Scott, Scott Burmester, let's start with you. Hi, I'm Scott Burmester. I'm a program manager in the Platform Strategy and Partner Group. Basically, what that means is I take the information in the heads of the other three guys, the other three smart guys that I work with, the to, make sure, 
make sure that a thousand people know about it. Okay. And my name's Carter Maslin. I'm director of technical evangelism, focusing on Widbeat and the WinFX rhythms. Okay. Uh, this is Steve Cellini. I'm a director also of evangelism, uh, and I work with all these other guys on a daily basis too. And Steve, I, you've been on the show before. Yeah, I, I'm trying to. You reminded me of that. Um, I was on the show before. Um, oh God, how many years and, of therapy uh, did it take I, to get that out of your head? It hasn't been pulled from the website, so it, it still is available, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We, we were talking about Longhorn along with my boss Vic and Dotra. Right, and Jeff Sanquist. And I've been on the show once before too, uh, talking about Channel Nine and things like that. That's I've, right. Uh, moved on to a new position, same overall team at Microsoft, um, doing a, running a Widby evangelism team. Excellent. So in the in the evangelism team, what kinds of things do you do? Uh, we've talked about evangelists at Microsoft a little bit, and I suppose you would call .NET Rocks sort of a third-party evangelism effort. But uh, what are some of the things that you guys do on a, on a regular day-to-day basis? Well, we uh, – this is Steve Trellini talking. And, you know, along with Carter and Jeff and Scott, we try to think up new ways to get developers excited about what we're doing. That's, you know, at a high level, that's basically what we do. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. We have a, we have a blast doing it. It's, uh, you know, working with developers at Microsoft is always, uh, you know, working with the product guys is always a challenge. You know, these guys don't get out much. And, you know, trying to get them to talk to us <laughs> about what they're doing, you know, is kind of challenging sometimes. Obviously, I'm kidding. But, you know, they're, they're <laughs> very much uh, really excited about what they're doing. And our job is to extract from them the essential messages and what's cool and then turn into stuff that, you know, that, that we can push out to the outside world. And, and right. sometimes the best way to do this is just arrange for the product guys to talk directly to customers. Well, that's, that's always a dicey thing. And the, the customers that you talk to, do they all, are they big companies, team. small companies, everywhere in between? Uh, do you not? Yeah, everywhere in between. There's, you know, ISVs, small, small ISVs, large ISVs, enterprise developers. Systems you know, anybody integrators. Who, system integrators. We don't discriminate on, we don't discriminate from partners and customers who are interested in okay. adopting would-be technology early. So if, if if a small business, say, with, you know, 50 employees had a small dev team and they had some successes with .NET or they were getting interested in it, you know, would they contact you if they wanted to give you some feedback or, or get some uh, assistance? Or yeah, we, we actually have an ISV buddy program that's meant to scale down to the smaller companies. One of the buddies that I have is a Keyhole, and they've been featured oh, yeah. And a ton of things. If you may have seen them on the CNN shots where they were doing the satellite. Dude, flyover. I have a subscription. Yeah, <laughs> I love Keyhole. Okay. So uh, we we love them too. So, but there's an example of a smaller company uh, through ISV Buddy program. We've got direct ties to evangelists, and they actually have turned into like great source of feedback, and they're doing really innovative work. So it spans range from big enterprises to small startups. Right. And if you're looking to be an ISV Buddy, go to. <clears throat> msdn.microsoft.com slash isv slash isv buddy and you can sign up and you can get a Microsoft employee as a buddy too. There's a plug. Okay. All right. And and again, it doesn't really matter what size business you are. You're interested in talking to everyone. Yeah. And yeah. there's, uh, you know, lots of people go to, we, we've been, especially on the Whidbey side, we've been really trying to be diligent with the community releases. You know, we've been putting out code pretty early there and pretty regularly and you know, the news groups and the other feedback mechanisms there are uh, really designed to sort of provide as much surface area as possible. So with Keyhole, which is, you, you mentioned, it's a, uh, first of all, I'll just tell people, it's a program that lets you, that downloads images from satellites 
basically lets you navigate the world and you can sort of zoom out at a, you know, a big macro level and zoom in to street level. And it, uh, as I say, it downloads sort of on demand, these maps that, uh, that are not maps, but actual satellite photos, you know, taken from yeah. above. And, and it really lets you zoom in. So I was, I was showing this to my mother who's like still in the, this is magic phase of computing experience, you know? And, uh, yeah, to, to get an email to, she, she's been using the computer for three years. She didn't know how to reply to an email yesterday, not yesterday, but last one. So anyway, this is the level she did. So anyway, I showed it to her and, uh, she says, oh, you know what? I need an overhead view of the pond in my backyard. Can you, can you zoom in, find it? And of course we were able to just pull it up and print it out. And, uh, you know, for some survey or something like that, that she wanted to do or something. And and there you go. So she was absolutely blown away. But with Keyhole, you guys, uh, who approached who? Did did you approach them? They, did they, they... Key, it's funny because they're literally across the street from my office. I'm based in the Silicon Valley campus in Mountain View. And uh, I, I knew them from some friends that were uh, from prior companies. And uh, But the way I got introduced to them was through a blog. Ray Ozzy had mentioned them saying, you know, this is what people don't realize they're missing from a browser experience. And yeah. that was actually my lead into Keyhole, even though they're across the street. So I went over and uh, met them in person and we went from there. Hmm. And, with, and and Ray was saying that what's missing was the very highly interactive 3D graphics. Is that it, it, well, he was just saying that people don't realize what they're settling for when they go page to page on HTML and uh, that they're, you right. know, he pointed to them as a sample of kind of the new class of application where it kind of leverages the connectivity we've got, uh, but also has that kind of local presentation and processing power. And so it was just a great, a great showcase for how the client becomes this integration point for all these different services. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, there's, there's lots of other, app, there's lots of room for those kinds of applications. And especially with, you know, the new graphics things that you guys are working on with yeah. Longhorn. So um, the what what exactly took place between you two? Did they did they come and ask for for help or for publicity we, or? Uh, we actually went to visit them about a year and a half ago. We just said, "Look, you guys have just done phenomenal work. We'd love to talk to you about some of the things that you could do in the next round of platform technologies that are coming up." And so we had at first just some informal briefings and things, and it was kind of hot and cold contact for a while, but uh, over the past nine months, we really stepped up engagement because they were producing some uh, really cool components that are going to be coming out that leverage would be. And uh, so the relationship is really deep and, and uh, they've got some really great stuff that's coming out. Awesome. So you guys obviously use them as an example when you go around to other companies and say, look what people are doing with it. Right. Have you? Right, because you know, a lot of times you're talking about things that are kind of abstract. About hey, we've got these great tools for connected systems, and there's these great scenarios. And to have something that's very visual and lets people just intuitively get it. Like uh, I'll tell you more later about some scenarios that they're enabling, but just phenomenal stuff that people grok right when they see it. Yeah. What well, have you guys been in touch with the folks at NASA who did the? Uh was the uh, the program that they did at NASA for uh what am i thinking yeah. of the moon program yeah the, no the, no no uh, i'm no i'm thinking of 
Yeah, there, there was a release that did something similar to Keyhole, but it's, right. not, it's not nearly as advanced as what Keyhole does with the fluid rendering. And That's I'm thinking of Whirlwind. Whirlwind. Whirlwind yeah. uh, 1.2. Right. Uh, which was their, it's a real smart client application. Right, and it's a .NET app, too. Totally, yeah. yes. Yeah. It, are you, have you guys been involved with them on that? No, in fact, I think just a couple people on my team had just downloaded it, I think, last week or so, just to give it a try, and... I haven't really followed up with them since then because wasn't it just posted recently? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it's a new thing. He actually, and there's a message board where they talk about it, where he actually goes through a lot of the decisions of why he went down the route that he did, um, and C sharp over Java is pretty fascinating. Um, but you know, that was a really an impartial thing that you know that they did on and made a decision on their own to go down the path that they did. Yeah, right. They Isn't went that- C sharp and direct and and direct X. What about that game Arena Wars that was written in C Sharp? It's one of those one of the first .NET C Sharp DirectX games that I've seen. And uh, although I haven't played it, I was looking at the screenshots. I'm not really a gamer myself, but uh, would that be like a, a good fit for you guys to to get together? And we we might have uh, you know worked with them to um, <clears throat> sort of identify the opportunity for them for using managed code and using Widby. Yeah. Um, and you know we might have helped them along. Um, the thing is that there are tons of people who are using Widby now, um, right. and we what we try to do is our, our scale, our you know direct one-on-one relationships and engagements are pretty small scale. So we re- definitely rely on MSDN and other other avenues to get lots of people exposed to Widby. Right, that's true. Yeah, you can only visit so many developers in a in a week. <laughs> the uh, what what are some of the um, the other uh, things that you guys have been doing lately in terms of broad reach. Well, what have we done, guys? Um, we, <laughs> you know, there's uh, a number of things. There's everything from yeah. Channel Nine. Channel yeah. Nine is a big part of Channel broad Nine reach. You can definitely... go up to Channel Nine and just even do a search for Widby. Um, there's some awesome videos up there on on things you can do with Windows Forms and and all the way from Burton. Uh, right. One of my favorite videos of all time because Team System is something that uh, that my team you know, pays attention a lot to is uh, the Burton demo. So there's a great long video up there called Late Night with the Burton Team. Um, yeah, but, that was you know, awesome. From, from a broad standpoint, you know, Channel Nine's a big part of that. Um, blogging in general, you know, everything from people on our team, people in our sales force that are weblogging, and Microsoft employees in the product groups talking about it. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things that we do, you know, in breadth, even uh, uh, speaking at conferences. Um, right. Community is a big, broad term that you know encompasses a lot of things that we do at Microsoft, and um, we're trying to be there in the in the ways that make sense. Here's an Carl, issue. This, yeah, go ahead. Oh, this is Scott. Uh, we also have this concept that's uh, uh, around technology programs called the evangelism rhythms, which right. it's really just a process on how we lower the barriers of development for our partners and customers, right. and in hopes that the outcome is that they accelerate their adoption of our technology, and in this case, of course, would be. And so there's things that we rely on from our field. You know, we're lucky enough to have a, a, a pretty robust field organization that is able to scale the message on a worldwide basis and uh-huh. offer things like training and support and early access to bits to help, you know, kind of uh, reach, the, uh, uh, reach the developers and architects and our partners and our customers. Well, yeah, and exactly. And one of, the way, one of the ways that we leverage all that stuff that Scott just talked about is that we really do try to connect with uh, RDs and MVPs in the field. Right. Um, we really do, um, you know, we, we really do rely on those communities quite a bit, you know, to, 
to sort of get the message out. And then, and, you know, these guys are experts in, in right. Whitby just as much as we are. And, and probably in most cases, they probably know more than we do in, in some pretty deep areas in Whitby. Yeah, they're lucky. They actually get to talk to the customers. We just take the TPS reports from the engineers to the, the people that talk to the customers. Right. The, uh, you know, here's a little an office it- space reference there. Sorry. <laughs> TPS. TPS reports. We'll we'll match up with the Bobs later. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Meeting later. Here's an issue that uh, has come up in the third party arena, and uh, I won't say with who, but with a couple of people, and and it really does make sense. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, XVB6 programmers out in the world that have yet to see the .NET light, right? And uh, they have either you know, been downsized or they've moved on to other jobs or, you know, they're, they're back uh, managing their access databases and their Excel worksheets or, or wherever they were doing before, or they've moved on to Java or C Sharp even or VBNet. But, but there's this huge chunk that has yet been, I guess you would call them the undecideds, you know, the, uh, that have yet to embrace. I've, I've heard that term used a lot lately. Undecideds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems to be in the in the news a lot these days. Yeah, so no, and I'm not going to go there. Um, so uh, it appears to me that the application developer, the the nine to five coder, the Mort, if you want to call him Mort, right? He he doesn't read blogs, and he you know he'll he'll go to a conference occasionally. He'll or she will uh, pick up a copy of Visual Studio Magazine, probably not much in MSTN Magazine, you know, probably limited exposure in general to the community stuff. Um, how do you reach these people? You know, because it's certainly not going to happen with, with weblogs, you know, the VBNet team doing, doing weblogs or, I mean, you're going to reach the people who are serious about development and they've seen the .NET light, but how can you grab a hold of these, uh, you know, this, this huge demographic? Yeah, that, that's just a great question. We were actually talking a bunch about that this week. This is Steve Cellini. And um, it is a challenge. Uh, one theory that, that, that I had was maybe, you know, sometimes, depending on the size of the company, these guys are working side by side with perhaps folks who happen to be doing some C-sharp programming or maybe even VB.net uh, programming. And maybe there is an opportunity there to sort of, um, you know, have some have some communication and community between them, and and there transfer some knowledge, and maybe that's a way that you um, sort of get folks to look in the direction of of the managed right. version of this stuff. Uh, but it is a challenge. Um, is, I know it's a challenge for you guys because you don't want to sort of, you know, make it all smoke and mirrors and magic for for people, you know, because then you run the risk of alienating the serious developers, but. You know, it's like you have one face. You know, Microsoft has one face. And if you go in one direction, the, you know, the people who are expecting whatever, you know, the other, the other face will, will say, what's going on here? And uh, that must be very difficult. Well, yeah, it depends on what you mean by many faces. I mean, the, the VB team in the developer vision here, we're, we're all, all the folks here, uh, Jeff, Scott, Carter, myself, we're all in the developer vision. And we work pretty closely with the product teams. And mm-hmm. We met this week, Carter and I met this week with uh, Rob Copeland. Um, who yep. is, uh, and, and, you know, the, his team, the, those guys are really, really passionate about the, the VB population. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, they're really interested in, in reaching those guys or interested in, in um, sort of getting them to 
um, you know, see see where where they think the the world is going on, on the managed code side. Right. It's something they do think about quite a bit. It's it's a tough it's a tough call. I mean, it is. Um, you know, the, you you've got people who have been writing VB code for for years. You know, well, decades more than you know. How long now? Mm-hmm. Fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of VB code out there, and uh, you know, for many folks, it may be fine just the way it is. So right. Um, it's it is a it's a great challenge. You know, one one idea we're wondering about are there conferences? You know, but as you said, and I think you correctly said, um, you know, these folks may not be going to conferences. They may not they may not be reading the blogs. Right. Um, I you know I, I know we're going to be trying. I, I'm, I'm saying it's difficult, but I know we're yeah. going to be trying. I guess I'm saying I feel your pain. I mean, you know, it's very easy. <laughs> thank, you, thank you. Thank you. It's very easy from outside, you know, to 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 be critical of efforts that go one way or the other. But you know, you see, because you know, here's here's a perfect example. Like VBNet Widby to me is awesome because it does address the people who just want to use wizards and drag and drop. You know what I mean? But it also has nothing taken away. And you can go as low as you want, and you can write the smartest code in the world, um, you know, and and that's not an issue at all. So it's it's really a one size, you know, a, a solution that works on many many levels, and you're addressing that crowd. But uh, but then right, again, but, you, but, you, but then but again, you, you, have have a, you do have a crowd uh, where you know they've been using it and it works fine, and right. you know, so we. So the first thing is, how do you reach those guys? And I right. think the, the broad answer is, you need to create a sense of community with them. Yeah, you have to find the way. You know, whether it's within the company, whether it's local users groups, whether it's bigger, you know, you know maybe specific conferences or or partnering with third parties who have conferences that might reach these folks. Right. And really show the advantage. Um, and you know, not take a definitely not take an approach. Well, you know, this is the future, so you know, right. get on or get on the bus or not. I mean, yeah. that's not the way. Yeah. You know, that's not not the way we were thinking about yeah. this. But I, I think the one-liner, if you're looking for one line, is, is community. Right. And community exists at many levels. And, and, you know, we're beginning to understand a little more about community, at the, you know, with Channel 9. Right. And, and at our conferences. And I think, you know, I think we could we could really do a bit more here. Yeah. And, and let me just finish the thought. The thought was that since you guys are, and I totally agree, community is what it's all about for me, obviously, right? Um we, you guys are adding stuff like the my namespace to VBNet and to make it, you know, really accessible and and all these great features in Widby and and at the same time it's got the power underneath it. And then I hear you know backlash from the C sharp programmers. Why don't we have my? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> it's like yeah. you know you're not. It's like any effort that you use to push to talk to one segment of the market. Immediately, the rest of the market who doesn't have any interest in that picks up on that and, and says, alienated. and seem and oh no, where are they going? You know, it's like, you know what I mean. But if yeah. but if people would would and and this is this I'm talking to the C sharp programmers, to the heavy duty VBNet programmers out there. Just relax, man. You know, let them do their business. Microsoft is a business. Let them address the different markets that they need to address. You know what the information is that you need. You go get it and use it. And that's what it's all about. So, so when I see you know the the kind of stuff that we're going to be doing at Franklin's Net is we're going to be doing the hardcore VBNet would be, but we're also going to be teaching you know the the Marts. We're going to be teaching application development, which is you know a lot different from component development and multi-threaded and all this kind of low-level stuff. We're going to be teaching you know how to get data 
into a form, how to change it, how to write it back to the database, the basic stuff that, you know, 90% of all business applications need to know how to do. And at the same time, they're, you know, we're going to tell these people that, you know, for further understanding, depth of knowledge, and et cetera, these are the resources that you can go to to learn more. But um, yeah, I think that sounds great. I think that sounds great. Um, okay. You know, Whit- Whitby is a is a big release. There's a lot. There's a lot going on there, and uh, I think, you know, we'll use the community thing. We'll 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 introduce this, and you know, I think we will learn. Um, I, I think, um, you know, it, it's Whitby is huge in a number of ways, and we, you know, maybe we can talk about all the different areas. But on the VB side, you know, we really are putting a lot of energy into 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 VB. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, you mentioned the my object, and there are a bunch of other things going on there. Right. Um, you know, between, you know, I, I think that when people look at it, they'll, it'll be another way, another reason to to jump to make that jump. But yep. you know, we can't just throw the code out there. We got to do a lot more. Right. With, with on the community. I'm interested. This is Carter. I'm interested in your take on kind of the driver for the VB population that you're talking about. Because if I look historically, they kind of emerged from the need to get departmental apps up running quickly, talking to a basic database in a client right. server environment. Exactly. And, and and that was the main, main driver behind the huge adoption and why you're calling them uh, Mort programmers, just getting the job done for their department on a yep. spot basis. Not necessarily. They didn't start out in life as programmers. They inherited the role. Right, right. Know. And so uh, one driver for their migration to VB.net, I think, is just that the class of problem that they're going to be asked to address has shifted since those days where very good point yeah there's there's still they still they still need to do uh quick projects but they're more likely to be glue oriented projects where you know stitching together the web services and pulling together all the different assets right you know one of the things you know you look at whitby a lot of things that excite me you know you look at that developer before where maybe they spun off an application that was a vb client server app and uh, nowadays, and, and maybe that that metamorphosized down the road into ASP and ASP.NET possibly applications. Now look at Whidbey and look at Visual Studio tools for Office. They can get that same level of, app, of integration and do it all within Excel. Right. Um, and that's a real powerful thing for that level of a, of a developer as well, too. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to, you know, the opportunity space for, for them to be able to do, you know, really effective things is going to really grow. Yeah. You know, in this time frame. Sorry, Carter. No, I mean, I I agree with you. The bottom line is, as soon as they see a class of problem that they're having a hard time solving and that is getting high demand, it'll be a natural trend to go to VB.net. We just need to reach them to kind of get build awareness, and that's that's the area we're exploring. What are the right communities to reach them if they're not on blogs, right. if they're not on Channel Nine and other ones that we already are pushing? How is how is your VB at the movies website doing? Do you know? Any of you guys know? I don't know. It's been doing very well. It's been very popular. How does the word get out about that? I mean, you know, it's it's linked on blogs and websites and stuff, but how do you get the word out about that? I mean, it seems like maybe a a, 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 a glossy postcard sent to... Are you trying to, to sell advertising, Carl? Is it... <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I can't sell... I can't sell anything to you guys. Let's just put it that way. So <laughs> it's all free for you. But anyway, uh, the, how you know how like how does how do the how do the companies know about that website? Which, by the way, is all about VBNet how-to videos. Go check out how to do this, how to do that, and it's really good. But uh, there isn't a lot of 
um, buzz about it. It's it's kind of hard to, to companies to hear are going to have one savvy developer that may know one or two that are going to hopefully spread the word within the company. I mean, I'm trying with a lot of the C plus plus guys, VB guys, mm-hmm. old Fox Pro guys that are starting to come, you know, right. work with me, and and I'm like, hey, you guys really got to do this. You really got to go to .NET. Well, I mean, I've never done any VB. Right. Well, fine, C sharp is fine, but just go to .NET. Right. You got one guy, two guys, you know, uh, some 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 other developers in there that are really trying to, sp- yeah, kind of evangelize, but only right. inside the departments. And, and that's and, what I guess it takes, right? I don't know what else, you know, yeah. how, how else it would do. I mean, what do you do? Send out flyers to every, you know, developer. I mean, right? I know it's it's a tough problem. It's yeah. Tough. Okay, back to you guys. <laughs> 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 we are so excited about this stuff. We we just can't figure out what to talk about next. Right. Um, features, features, features. So you features. had Scott Guthrie on the show, and he talked about ASP.NET, right? Yes. Um, you know, let's. Should we talk to you more about other parts of Whidbey? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we we were talking about the VB guy, and mm-hmm. Jeff was saying, and Jeff and Carter were saying that what's going to attract the VB six developer to VB.NET is you know being faced with these new scenarios and not really being able to do it easily with what they know today. Um, one of the technologies is, is VSTO. Right, Visual Studio uh, Tools for Office. I, you know, VSTO is this kind of, um, it's really cool stuff. And, and it, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a power programmer, you might not normally you know, pay attention to something like this, but it's pretty cool stuff and it really solves a lot of problems easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much do you know about VSTO? We actually did a show with uh, Robert Green right when uh, VSTO shipped. Okay. And uh, yeah. he... So that was VSTO, the very first version of VSTO, but now there's the Whidbey's going to have a ton of improvements on it. Yeah, we have an improved version. We haven't talked at all about that. Just to uh, bring people up to speed, Visual Studio Tools for Office is a way that, and tell me if I mess up the elevator speech here, but it's a way that you can use either Word or Excel as the UI for your .NET application, for your smart client application. Now, the thing that's generally the problem with doing that with COM and, and script is that the code is embedded in the document. And you send out the document to people, and what if you need to update the code? The document's changed on the client. The code is now changed on the server. You can't just send a new document to people. So what they do is they give you the ability to write any code you want in .NET, VBNet, C Sharp, whatever. Compile it to an assembly. Put that assembly on a network share, typically. Um, You have security issues that you need to configure to be able to access that code. But then you send out a document which links to the assembly on the server, and the code stays on the server. When you need to update it, you just you know copy over a new version of it. And and then people get the documents, which are Excel documents, Excel spreadsheets, Word documents with your code behind it, and and .NET controls right in the UI. Exactly, so it, they're they're document centric solutions. Right. Yeah, you, know, you can have Jeff's job. Here you oh, go. Yeah. You're hired. <laughs> um, well, anyway, that's the elevator speech. So, what's new in for VSTO and Whidbey? The big thing is is task pane integration. You know, with the first version, a lot of people built these applications, and and um, you know they got the power of the framework to do a lot of you know a lot of great things. But a lot of the work that they had to do was you know in the actual document space. One of the big things with with Whidbey is they can actually um, work with the task pane, and you know and and be able to get the UI metaphors all all right there within the task pane. And that's a real powerful thing. That's what you know. We, the first version was, you know, a stepping stone to get out there and, and into the space. And this was a huge improvement, being able to get right into the task pane. What is the task pane exactly? That's that area to the right in uh, in Word or Excel 
where you've um, you've got a number of different options. So if you if you start a word document oh, to the right. right, it'll have either help or search results or, or you know different ways <laughs> of finding templates and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Now you can get access to that right within um, right within uh, you know your application. You can, cool. you can put UI there. The other thing was the thing is the tool support is just so much better. Dragging and dropping controls and right there working right within Visual Studio and that's mm. just awesome. Hmm. Yeah. That is cool. So, so there was in there were issues with controls in the first version, or well, the first version, you know, it was you had a lot of what you could you could write a little you could get a button on a page, and you you didn't have any access to writing code to access the task pane. Oh, okay, um, all right. So now you actually can. So imagine an application, um, the, you know, that um, that integrates with this. The UI that you want your user to do the controls and so forth. That can all be in the task pane, as opposed just to on to the sheet a, of paper. This is Carter. Just to take a real world example, there's major title and escrow company that has all the front end office workers in Microsoft Word able to just put in property and escrow and title closing right into a Word document calling back end web services all integrated in the task pane. So you go hmm. to each section of the Word doc and you can put the owner, the address, the property description all easily integrated by using that task pane integration. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, the the task pane is an area that I haven't even you know, that's usually where Clippy hangs out, right? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'm just joking. Sometimes there'd be like you no longer dynamic. have my job. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you're fired. Oh wait, I think that's trademarked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Then I, I gotta have bad hair to say that. Um, the also there's stuff like dynamic help that shows up there and search panes and all sorts of things. That's what you're talking about, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can work with that in that area. And then just the tool support is where it's at. Right. Um, It's just a lot easier to build the document. It's just really progressed. That team is is awesome, and it's it's really great to see what they're doing in Whitby. Sweet. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, Can I ask a question? It's actually not uh, related to the office. Uh, I have some developers at work uh, with me that are actually really interested in what uh, the next level of of, uh, Visual Source Safe is going to... uh, resemble in the new uh, would be we uh, are not super happy now with the way the .NET uh, 2003 kind of integrates into it we've had some problems and we're just wondering we, we've heard rumors that it's going to be very tightly integrated into the IDE and we're just wondering if you guys have any insight possibly on that talk about a meatball <laughs> <laughs> well, who wants to answer that one <laughs> <Quiet. clears throat> well, I, I, I wish I don't know that we have anybody that can answer it yeah all right, didn't you guys say that you were working? Oh, okay. You're not in the on the Burton team system, but that's what you're talking about, really. So, so you know, team system one, would take one of the big that? things that you know that we're putting a lot of investment in is just Visual Studio team system. Yeah. And uh, team system's gonna you know is, is going to be there and make a big change for a lot of things. You know, you've asked yourself those questions. You know, building software is hard, and and my team is spread out, and we're really specialized, and, mm-hmm. and uh, tools don't fit well together, and and we need to be able to. Um, you know, pull these things here and reduce the complexity of doing that. And that's just one of the things that Team System or, you know, is Burton that's going to be doing. So it's going to and replace VSS or? Yeah. So there's a project but a together. More, it's workflow. It's, it's more like a project in VSS it, rolled to one? Or? Yeah, it's it's workflow. The whole workflow Microsoft problem. Project, okay. Bugs, uh, yeah, tasks, and it, and it, and it targets, project. you know, uh, different roles like designer, developer, tester. Yeah. So okay. it's Architect. got classes of tools within for each of those roles. And I, I think 
I've got, you know, one of the things, if you look at the roles that we target with team system, we target the architect and it's like application modeling and, mm-hmm. and infrastructure modeling and deployment yeah. modeling, yeah. And class modeling and, and UML modeling. Awesome. Um, and you think about the, the developer, um, code an, an, analyzers, uh, static code analyzers, code profiling. Uh, what about testing, load Unit testing, testing, manual testing, load test testing. case management? Okay, here's a real-world issue, actually, I came up with uh, t- uh, today, actually. Um, I've got a DLL that's in several uh, – and this is probably not the best way to develop this, but anyway. Uh, DLL that's in several of my other developers' code, a library I may have created you know, six months ago. I need to make a change to that. I can't remember which of my developers is using this. I want to be able to – have an automated system know, hey, I just update, I just, I just made a change to this DLL. Is yeah. if I have everything in this team system, my DLL, their projects, the main project, several main projects, I make a change to this. I want them to know about it so they can either update a web, uh, my uh, web service, you know, what reference or get a new version of the DLL. How, how, how are they going to know that? Is this something that I could use? Right, here, let me clue you in. You, you make a network share. <laughs> <laughs> Put, I know. Yeah, I know. And then I have to remember, oh, God, where is everything? And just send it out to, you know, the yeah. entire development. You know, I got something. We've got some, like 50 well, developers. Yeah. Maybe six of them are using it. I don't know who they are. So, so the code name that we have, we call for a new source control system is called Hatteras. Is, uh, have you ever heard that term before? No. So that was the, the code name for, you know, we have SourceSafe 2005, um, and it's called Hatteras. Um, and, you Separate know, from the team system, right? Exactly. Okay. Oh, okay. So team system is not going to be team replacing Team system is much more. Team uh, system is the overall arching, uh, you know, system for, for project management and focusing on, you know, the architect, the developer, and tester. Um, but Hatteras is, you know, is what is going to be um, SourceSafe 2005, I'm assuming the name is, but that's the code name that we call about it, um, if that helps. You know, uh, I was watching the videos from TechEd where the, the keynote video that, uh, where they went through the whole process of using the team system. It was great. Um, they had – you know, they went through the whole process of software development, exercising all the various aspects of, of team system. I wonder if there's a place uh, at Microsoft.com where anybody can – who even wasn't at TechEd can go and watch that. Because uh, or Channel Nine or anything, because I think that video will go very far towards uh, letting people know what this stuff is, and I don't think it's something that should be charged for. Okay, it sounds like okay. a good idea. Yeah, it's a great I, video. I know that um, when I'm as I'm speaking here, I'm trying, I'm going onto the TechEd site to see how much content is up there. Do they have all the all the? I, I don't actually. I don't think they do, but I'm I'm going to go check. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes the stuff they expire the stuff because it you know it goes out of date or something like that. Um, but I, I hear what you're saying. I, I you know if you've seen if you've never seen a team systems demo before, it's pretty cool. And, you know, it, and it covers a lot of the scenarios like the one that was talked about before about change management. It's it's you know they they are trying to try to cover scenarios holistically you know end to end. Oh, it looks like somebody found something in the chat room here. Let me see. One of, one of the things what somebody wrote, there's a wiki that actually talks a lot about team system that, that the Three Leaf guys have. And one of my favorite comments on here about, uh, about the new source control system is Hatteras is a spicy new SQL server-based, fully transactional client-server source control system that will blow your socks off. Wow. I didn't write that. That's what the Three Leaf guys said. All right. I got a Shrinkster URL to that video here. It's uh, shrinkster.com slash 1J7. 
shrinkster.com slash 1J7. And that will take you to uh, a page at uh, TechEd where th- that gives you the general uh, 2004 general session demo. Awesome. That's the magic of live radio right there. Yeah, I love it. Very great video. That was one of the first. That I, I remember watching that and then watching it offline, and it was just fantastic. Uh, just the whole set of VSTS tools. There's one kind of theory that we bat around inside Microsoft about how enterprises and just the, the even the developers that you're describing as morts need to behave a lot like the sophisticated ISV population used to behave. So you know, the enterprise is the new kind of ISV where the same sophisticated tools that were used by ISVs now need for are needed in enterprises. Mm. And uh, I think there's going to be a whole new wave of applications that are either customized or developed on really short time cycles in large part because of the ease with which you can coordinate everything through yeah. DSTS. Yeah. So true. Well, guys, does, does, no. does that notion make sense of, you know, enterprise as new ISV? Does that does that resonate with what you know, or does that um, me, does it sound like... Uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't know what to think, because basically I don't think you can change behavior of, you know, I don't think you can say these people need to change the way they do things or change the way they think, because it's just not going to happen. Um, but I but I do think that it's a good call to action for the for the alert people out there. Um, I mean, I think the, one of the questions that we were thinking about is if you look at enterprises wanting to use increasingly specialized solutions, like somebody's written a great application for costing particular manufacturing kind of runs. And right. You know, how you incorporate that into your particular company, I think, is a is a challenge. Even if you look at Microsoft with our use of CRM software uh, from uh, Siebel, you buy it as an application, but you need to have it kind of touching every place right. in your organization that it makes sense, whether right. it's in the portal that I use to look up a customer before an evangelism call. Or, yeah. Uh, and, and so that process of taking any kind of solution and getting it into the basic workflow of your company, mm. I think is going to be increasingly a, a challenge. So that's where I see as a, a huge opportunity for VSTS, where yeah. you can take solutions, tailor them, customize them, and have that same predictability in the yeah. installation as you would if you were a professional ISV. Yeah, and it sounds really, you know, with all these things that we're saying and the benefits of team system and all these things, it still seems like an option to people, but I swear to God, after you after you watch what you can do and the way you set things up and, and work, work basically introducing workflow to the whole development process, right? You, you won't want you you'll have to have this. I mean, it's just why would you do it any other way? You know, it it it, it ensures that you're going to produce things on time with less bugs, hopefully no bugs, right? You'll have test cases. You'll have communication between all the members on your team. You have defect tracking. You have uh, architecture. You have, you know, work items, which basically means that an architect says, oh, this particular class needs to be created. You assign that work item to a developer. They, they turn on their machine in the morning. Boom, there's, there's their list of work items that they do. They finish it. They check it in. It's like, 
you know, they. It won't write your code for you, though. But, no, it you won't know, write your code. it'll help put you up in the right place. It won't write your code, but I can just see all of the meetings that people have to, that they don't have to go to now. Because There's a tagline team system. You'll have to go to less meetings. To, absolutely. You, weekly status absolutely. meetings really blow. I'm telling you, they do. <laughs> yeah. They do. To talk about what? Well, I'm waiting on this guy for this, and he hasn't gotten back to me on that. And so well, what's the status on bug number well, 1047? I don't know because you, you, didn't you get the email? You didn't get the email? Oh, well, all right. I'll, I'll resend you the what's email. What's your email address? Okay, hang on. Let me y- put it yeah. in my iPod here. Yeah. Oh, God. Have you guys been looking at our calendars? Because uh, <laughs> believe me, that's. <laughs> All right, guys, listen, we're going to take a break for about 10 minutes and uh, pay some bills and listen to some music, and we'll be back on the other half of the hour, so stick around, okay? Okay. All right.
I love how that uh, just abruptly ends right there. That was Strange Communication from Franklin Brothers. And this is a little uh, ditty we did at pwop.com. Just as filler music. It's called Groove Ferrari, but that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about uh, Data Dynamics. They have this really cool product that you may have heard of called ActiveReports.net. And ActiveReports.net isn't a, uh, it's not a huge report server like uh, SQL reporting services or Crystal uh, reporting services. What it is is it's a report designer and generator where the reports go into your application and, of course, you know, they're, they're embedded in your assemblies. And uh, it works with ASP.NET and Windows Forms. You have all the features, the reporting features you come to expect from a reporting solution. And uh, one, of the, one of the biggest benefits of it is that it can output in PDF format or HTML format or just plain old text. And uh, it isn't going to break the bank either, folks. It's a great licensing scheme. We love this product. And we know uh, lots of other people, professionals in the industry, that, that count on it. ActorReports.net. Check it out at www.datadynamics.com. Data Dynamics, a great uh, supporter of .NET Rocks from the beginning, almost from the beginning. From the beginning of our live shows, anyway. But uh, Also a sponsor of the upcoming .NET Rocks movie, which you can, uh, you'll hear about soon. Somebody asked me today what that song was, that little that little ditty we just did there. And that was uh, one of these 3 a.m. creations that I come up with sometimes. Started with a drum track, put about eight microphones on the drums, and uh, did the drums. I knew it exactly what I was going to play. And then uh, put down an acoustic guitar and a bass and, and then the lead guitar on top of it and a little mixing. And, you know, three hours later it was done. I just love that. It's the kind of stuff I've been wanting to do all my life, and uh, and uh, the the career at Franklin's Net sort of made that possible. Well, anyway, we're back with uh, Microsoft uh, evangelists Jeff Sanquist, Steve Cellini, Carter Maslin, and Scott Burmester, and we're talking about Widby and the uh, Burton Team System in particular, and uh, it's great stuff. And and I can't uh, you know I can't wait to start teaching people how to use this and to start using it. I don't have a team of software developers here, but uh, I certainly love the technology and I'm, I'm really into it. So, uh, yeah, so this ahead. is Carter. As part of that team system, there's also correlation to the whole deployment environment. So 
if you look, I don't know if you covered in your prior show on ASP.net, the no, we strongly didn't. typed configuration APIs for the for the uh, app servers. Did you cover that? I don't believe we did. Yeah, so one of the cool things is that every uh, everything about the configuration of your website on ASP.net is strongly typed through these XML configuration files. So you can query your deployment to make sure that you've got all the right settings just with uh, strongly typed XML. And all of that stuff can also be described in team system to say, you know, here are the characteristics of this server that you have to kind of comply with in order to be deployed on that server. So it gives you a lot of confidence going from code and test into deployment. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you have these designers for deployment and designers for your infrastructure. You know, um, what, that's one of the things that I really enjoyed watching that uh, demo was, you know, they just wanted to change the way that the web servers talk to the SQL servers and the, the DMZ, blah, blah, blah. And just by dragging and dropping lines between their machine icons, you know, it actually goes out and, and makes those changes. Yeah. And, uh, it's really incredible. Yeah. And it just come some preliminary feedback from some of our early deployments. There's a customer live on beta one that has literally had no unscheduled downtime. And a, wow. a lot of that is, I think, from the confidence in configuration. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, this customer receives over 4 million page hits uh, since updating with uh, the first beta. Averages about 600 unique visitors. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Hey, have you guys, uh, you guys, any of you guys listened to the show before other than, you know, the ones that you've been on? Yeah, or, all or, the time. Been listening lately? Have you been listening to uh, Kirk Webb's Weird Wide Web Spot? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're listening in the beginning of the show, we, uh, we, yeah. we had this, uh, we have a poll. See, Kirk Webb, who's the, the guest co-host. Uh, the client evening. guest co-host. Yeah. He usually does a spot called the Weird Wide Web in which he finds weird websites for people. Uh, for us, and uh, he he tells us all about them. But uh, you know, we we got some feedback in the blogs from some grumpy people who said, you know, what's happening to .NET Rocks? They're going silly on us and all this stuff. So we put up a poll to see whether or not Kirk should do the bit. And while I think there's a lot of support for for Kirk doing the bit, they also want to hear him branch out a little bit. But anyway, we, you guys get to enjoy this and uh, and comment. Uh, this is the Weird Wide Web with Kirk Webb. Utterly amazing. That is if you want to comment. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Webb. I'm back. (laughs) For now. Anyway. He's back and he's pissed. (laughs) That's right. And I'm wet from being out in the rain. Yeah. Um... What you got for us? We have some uh, slightly toned down, uh, slightly neutered links for. Oh uh, man, the, I'm disappointed. Uh, the uh, Microsoft Borg here this evening, <laughs> and uh, what we have here is I will send you. We're not going to have the smart clamp here. Um, no, 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 no. This is probably going to be the most tasteless. But uh, okay. I'm wondering. I, I want to ask you, you, uh, you assimilated folks out there in uh, Microsoft land. How many of you guys? have actually done this. Go to uh, shrinkster.com forward slash 1IA. There has to be somebody. I'm not saying Mr. Bill G himself does this, but, you know, there's got to be some Microsoft freak that's pet has died and they've mummified him. That's shrinkster.com 1IA. 
Oh boy! Oh, oh wow. boy! Now on the left oh, there. Oh great! I'm gonna get fired for browsing. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah right. So <laughs> this is like just set on a big alert. <laughs> so you get you get Somebody's a bronze. Somebody's knocking on my door now. Okay, <laughs> okay guys, I'll be right back. <laughs> this is actually mentioned in the handbook. The black <laughs> yeah, helicopters are coming out in the. All the SWAT guys are coming down, <laughs> repelling out of the ropes. Get him. Go, 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 go. So, anyway. so, so this is – you get a bronze of your – Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> they have bronze. They have marble. They have mausoleums. They will cover them in gold leaf. No, I have a pet that I don't like. Um, <laughs> he hasn't passed on yet. Can I send him to him? It's this little cocker spaniel. He's really yappy. He barks all the time. I don't think he likes me. It's Can I extra. send him – I like the I like the picture in the lower right where there's literally like a whole litter. Yeah, oh, my, gra- my grandma Bronze. has fifteen cats. Yeah, I, I think know. there's one way to preserve her yeah. her loved ones after they pass. Yeah, so the fellow that has the King Tut gold thing, do you think he's single? Yeah. <laughs> I think all these guys are single. Wait, what makes you think it's a he though? Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. check out the pedigree on the left. If you, it's, you it's, good? It's pretty serious. Oh, oh wow. I think it actually says the animal must be dead though. Okay, well, that's uh, Leo is going to live another day. Well, you know, if you ship it, depending on how you ship it, <laughs> FedEx, yeah. yeah, it's the two day versus uh, five day shipment. Exactly. The, the scary stuff. If you go to costs, it goes from six thousand to over a hundred and twenty eight thousand. No way! No way! They are building mausoleums for your. Pets. Oh man, we are in the wrong business. Creepy. There's one born every minute. Wow. PT Barnum was right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, well, that's insanely weird. Slightly insanely weird. Now, and I like one... the live cat next to the mummified cat. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he's like, hello. <laughs> this doesn't freak me out at all. No, no, mommy, no. mommy, Please is don't. that you in there, mommy? <laughs> <laughs> mommy. I wonder if that site's using ASP.net. Really. How come I can't smell you anymore, Mommy? How come I can't smell you anymore? <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Creepy. All right, all right. Or enough about mummified pets. I, uh, this next site is actually dedicated to my to, to our friend, Richard Campbell, who is no longer with us, even though he'll be here no, soon. No, 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 no. He's not. I know. He's just been gone for so long. It's a hiatus for him. Um, Shrinkster.com forward slash one, uh, oh, one J6. Excuse me. I'm sorry. And it is um, – this is – um. Gadget boy. <laughs> this guy. Ooh. Wow. Just scroll down to these pictures. He Once actually again, he carried... is single. No. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. with the wet ones, though? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he carries all this stuff around with him. Oh, my God. I thought I was bad. The guy's got a... The guy's got... What was it, like 150 pounds worth of stuff? And extra battery packs for everything? Oh, no. He's got a Wi-Fi seeker. We gave those out on a show, I remember? <laughs> That's probably him, the guy who won it. Uh, okay, all right. That's well. it's just a uh, a detail of all the different you, devices yeah. that he's carrying. Wait, you notice we're not really laughing as much on this end. Yeah, because <laughs> you're like, I'm going, oh, I've got I got that. that. One. Yeah, I've I got, got that. that one. I got half of this stuff. Actually, I'm carrying it now. Have you ever tried those Edemotic, uh isolator headphones? No. They're down on the bottom of the page. Yeah, he the says they like you can't hear anything. They are insane. I I wear. I used a pair, but they're made by this company that makes like hearing aids, hmm. and I use some, and I've, I've actually got some on order. Uh, they should be here soon, and they are like the most incredible headphones I've ever ever used. I was life. tempted. Did when you I go for them. the fours or the sixes? I have to ask. I'm, <laughs> I went for the guy. I'm into this stuff. Did you get the ER fours or the ER sixes? I got the ones that were the white ones. The I think it's the sixes. Yeah, the six I. I yeah. think. 
Yes, I got the six eyes. So you don't need to use a headphone amp to plug them into your iPod. <laughs> exactly. That's the ones I got. Do you need like a doctor's prescription for these? Because they look like they go in and they stay in. They, go they are in. better you for your ears than normal earphones. They are incredible. Wow. They, they, it is just, I, I, it's so cool. I, was, I, I used them on a plane and like, you know, you, you can't hear anything outside of what you're listening to. Even if there's like a low rumble, you can't hear that? No, it totally was, it, it was incredible for on a plane. And what happens like when you stand up to get out of your seat and you forget to take them out? Does it you pull your laptop lot? flying across and you go, in, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you hurt your ears badly. Well, we were talking with Dave Wecker a few weeks ago, and he said that the actual noise cancellation technology they use today has been watered down because it's too dangerous. If they're if they you know if they used all the technology at their disposable, they'd be at their disposal. They'd be too dangerous. People wouldn't be able to hear people talking to them. Yeah, my, mine have like shipped. That. I'm supposed to get them like this week, so I, I can't wait. I got turned off by seeing people needing to lick them to get them in their ears. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, like, I, I don't think I can do that. Yeah, you got all like, and you have the wax on them from before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's Ew. why you lick them. Kind of tasty, but kind of salty. But and yeah, I thought Kirk was bad. Mm. All right, so what's next, man? Okay, all right, all right. Well, I didn't think the weird wide website would like. Oh, I've got that. This is great. And these guys talking about it. Yikes! I've got Segway. some of this stuff. <laughs> Segway. Yeah, I actually saw one of those in New York the other day. It was actually pretty creepy. Okay, um, next one. I'm a big beer fan and uh, a big haiku fan on top of that. Yeah, yeah. This is beerhaiku.com. This is great because it's why is it why is it I drink? I have only one answer. I'm a marine. Oh boy. <laughs> let's let's next, next, next. Actually, yeah, there we site, go. This site just got completely swamped. It's not because I'm drunk that I'm getting arrested, but drunk and naked. <laughs> Words to live by right there. Uh, beer haiku. Okay, last one. One more, one more. My blind date is huge, but she'll lose <laughs> five pounds per beer. I can't drink that much. <laughs> Ouch. Now, this one may actually cause uh, the Black Hawk helicopters with the SWAT team guys to uh, fly out. This is um, shrinkster.com. You know what? We didn't even give out the uh, last... Oh, well, that was beerhaiku.com. Beerhaiku.com. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. This one is shrinkster.com forward slash one... I B, and this is um actually a um, two I B, no one I B, yeah. one I B, yeah. and this is from military dot com. Don't ask me how I got this. Um, <laughs> all you Star Trek geeks, antimatter weapons are now actually a possibility. Okay, is this crazy? No, or it's what? actually antimatter. Antimatter. For read, I'm totally antimatter. serious. Air Force wants antimatter weapons. Yes, yes, there's this is not, Who wouldn't want antimatter weapons? Exactly. I mean, come on. But now it's If a, you want weapons, why wouldn't you have antimatter? If you had now, a choice, matter and antimatter, you want the antimatter. Well, weapons. seeing as how there's a certain party in office, this actually, you know, with a price tag of oh, uh, what is it? Something like uh 100 trillion dollars a gram or something okay. like that may actually happen. This is I'm former military. I'm actually ex-Navy and I get this my dad signed me up for this great site, <laughs> and I get it once a month. And uh, I looked at this, and I was like, you've got to be kidding, and this is actually for real. So what's weird about this? <laughs> <laughs> you should see the look in his eye you just gave me right there. Die. <laughs> weird? It is, yeah, anti-matter. Anti-matter. Come weird. on. You guys are geeks, right? It's right? true. It is weird. It's weird in a Star Trek kind of way. So what is your plan to do with this? Yeah, right. 
with uh, antimatter? Yeah. He's going to power his laptop for six years. Oh, man. <laughs> well, um, I'm not going to blow anything up. How's that? Well, that's good enough for me. And that's the Weird Wide Web. Utterly amazing. Told you. Oh, that was pretty good, though. I think the pets were the All right. So what the heck were we talking about? We were talking about Burton. Um, what about some of the uh, the more interesting customers? We were talking about Keyhole before and, and some of that stuff. What what what? What are some of the other things that uh, are the companies well, that you guys are working Actually, on? driving off a keyhole, one of the things that was motivating them to uh, migrate over to Whidbey, they were using the C++ compiler, version 8 and Whidbey. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wanted to make their uh, services programmable. And being on mm. managed code, having access to all the uh, design tools for for uh, developers, they, they actually have their component used by another ISV that supplies government solutions for like field inspectors when they come and take a look at your house, whether or not you can make that addition or hmm. a major commercial building, whether it's safe for occupancy, that kind of inspection, hmm. as well hmm. as like after an earthquake, making sure that you can return to your home safely. Yeah. And uh, so they actually made their standalone application into a component that can be used by other ISVs. So one of the, one of those ISVs is Excella over in the East Bay here. And uh, they do government inspection mm-hmm. uh, solutions. So okay. just phenomenal ability to integrate all of the uh, parcel data, all of the kind of water mains, power lines, any kind of information you want, and superimpose that right on top of the keyhole visualization. So field wow. inspectors on a tablet can just complete the inspection and file it without... You That's know, very cool coming back home to file paperwork. So it's, it's pretty, pretty phenomenal. That is pretty cool. Hey, I, I, I do have to ask this question because, um, it, you know, we here in the Northeast, there's a lot of medical technology and it, it seems like the medical field has been a very tough nut to crack in terms of technology. And, and they spoke about this in the debates earlier this week as well, the presidential debates, but, uh, uh, you know, I, the way I look at it is that the medical industry, you know, is a little bit paranoid because they're dealing with people's lives. You know, they're, they're you know, they're kind of a little bit uh, protective of the systems that they have in place that work and, and sort of a little reticent to to adapt technology for that reason. Um, do you think that uh, that the medical industry or what do you see in terms of the medical industry opening up software wise, communication wise? Uh, technology-wise, do you think it's happening with .NET? Do you think that uh, we finally are convincing them that that this is a stable and reliable uh, platform for for developing electronic medical records and transcription software and and billing software and the kinds of things that can integrate? Because this is an industry that's absolutely screaming for, you know, service-oriented architecture for for .NET stability, for tablet PC development. Uh, What do you think about that? I, I agree. This is Carter. Um, I, but I don't think actually the problem has been kind of a lack of reliance on the stability of the platform. I, I think okay. it's, it's been kind of who's going to finance this change. It, it often seems like it's almost an investment banking problem. Oh, where, yeah, uh, interesting. Where if, the reason I say that is if everybody's got a great return on implementing these technologies and you can literally cut out 29 cents of every dollar spent in healthcare. Right. 
why isn't it happening? Right, right. And uh, it, it turns out that a big part of that why is just where does the money come from to bootstrap the system? Because it's the whole network effect that you need to get going. Right. And uh, now we're seeing some major movement. Uh, Tommy Thompson, who's the head of Health and Human Services, has got right. a huge uh, effort that is inclusive of kind of proof of concept budgets and kind of efforts to penetrate rural health care. And, and you're starting to see a, a lot of interest in what can be done when everybody's coordinated around standard schemas for personal health records and things. And there's, there's actually a lot of great movement uh, happening. I think, I think there's going to be a, a, you know, over the next few years, a, a major change there. You saw it in the debates the other night where Bush even referenced that. Right. You combine that with uh, as soon as people are spending their own money on healthcare with the healthcare savings accounts, there's going to be a whole consumerism thing. So you see what it does for digital media and mm. stuff. You can imagine if people's healthcare decisions are going to be a, a much bigger demand for. Do you think that's really going to happen? Yeah, because yeah. let's say that somebody says to you, "Look, we don't, we're not going to give you uh, reimbursement for health insurance, but we are going to contribute to a, at a savings account." Right. That you have control over it. You're going to become a much smarter consumer about healthcare and demand a lot more for your money because you're the one that's paying the checks. Mm. And if that stuff happens, I think there's going to it's it's the same reason you know with MS money. You right. want to manage your finances because they're it's your money, your finances. Same thing with healthcare. I think will be a big driver. Yeah, I, I think if I if I could sort of this is Steve Cellini. If I sure. could try to circle back to a point Carter was making earlier about uh, the analogy of enterprise as a new ISV. I mean, if my company, Microsoft, sent me, you know, a letter every time I, you know, uh, borrowed, you know, used a stapler or took a pencil from the office supply cabinet, mm -hmm. you know, if I got a, a letter in the mail every time, I would say, what the heck's going on here? Right. This is a really inefficient Big way to run line. a business. <laughs> but every time I go to the doctor, I get a little letter with, a, you know, yet yet another piece of paper right, telling right. me I went to the doctor and how much it cost. Right. And there's no feedback loop there, you know, yeah. whereas in the enterprise, you know, I, I work there, I see it, I might even be a stockholder and I, and you know, I, it, it's very obvious to me where the money's going. Right. But, right. Uh, again, that, that's sort of a feedback loop. And, okay. and even beyond the administration, some of the cool technology things that are happening, uh, picture your, you know, there's a nursing shortage, right? Picture. My wife's a nurse. I know. Okay. All about well, it. It, <laughs> You know, picture intensive care unit where if you don't act within the first five minutes of a deteriorating condition, yeah. your overall expenses and nursing right. effort is exponentially higher with every minute that passes. Right, right. So, you know, the ability to have .NET as a connectivity platform for all these devices and uh, information visualizations is just huge ROI for healthcare industry and just a great use of the connectivity technologies that we're all pushing right. around .net. Right. So I think I think there's going to be a lot of good progress. Do you, do you really think that this this uh banking, you know, financing is really the only issue with healthcare cuz I really I mean that may be one issue but I, I yeah. really see a, a a real fear and reluctance to to depend to have them depend on computers for things that they do manually even though they're horribly inefficient. They have their systems and you know, I don't know if I don't know if you've uh, if you've witnessed other reasons firsthand. I, yeah, no, I, I agree see that, that there are definitely other reasons in terms of their existing. I was picking the one that I thought yeah. was kind of the blocker, but I agree with you that you know 
there's also a generational thing where if you, for example, my son's orthodontist, you know, a young doctor, he's like completely digital, has got all the 3D models of the mouth. And, right. You know, so it really just depends. Yeah, yeah. I think. true. There's, there's but I think be... one thing that's really going to be um, really dragging this industry forward is, the, is HIPAA compliance. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's if you've gone to the to the doctor or picked up a prescription, there's HIPAA. You can see the effects of HIPAA all over the place. Right, they have to and do stuff. I just don't imagine how that will continue um, without really being much more automated. And, and I think that's where, if you look at the contributions of kind of wind forms and click once technology and Whitby, mm, yeah. uh, there's a whole kind of metaphor for computing now where every time you want to do something big in healthcare, for example, you're thinking, okay, who's going to host the server that we're all going to integrate with? Right, right. How are we going to administer user IDs and passwords for yeah. this shared resource? And, yeah. and uh, I really think with uh, some of the client deployment technologies in Whitby, like ClickOnce, where you've got kind of secure, easy deployment, that the client can become kind of this integration point that is more secure than pushing your data out to third-party servers. Sure. Sure. So when you talk about person, patient privacy and personal information, the the whole prospect of writing software that that can uh, have that controlled locally and shared on a selective basis, I think, is a huge driver for client technologies that are in Whitby. Cool. Hey, I want to get back to the thing we were talking about in the beginning of the show, which is the sort of the languages of Whitby, C Sharp 2.0 and VBNet. <clears throat> um and some recent announcements, uh, Jeff, you were telling me uh, in the chat room about C Sharp are pretty, pretty fascinating and pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah, you know, one of the things that um, um, you know that the VB people have always had was um, edit and continue. And uh, today, Soma, who's the, the vice president over the Visual Studio Group, announced that edit and continue is going to be in C uh, in uh, C Sharp. Yeah. So that's a big deal. That is a big deal. You know, and that's, that was like one of the top feedback requests that we've had from customers is that, when are you going to support Edit and Continue in C Sharp? And, and are you going to do it in Visual Studio 2005? And yeah. this morning we announced it, and in about it, uh, next week, in about a week, there's going to be another community technology preview, and it's going to have it in there. So that's you know, really exciting. You know what's great about this <clears throat> is that the there's a whole uh, atmosphere of C you know, C, C++, now C-sharp developers, there's a whole environment that, you know, that's, or a mindset that says, we don't want the, uh, you know, the bells and whistles. We don't want the things that make us more efficient developers. We don't want the wizards. We don't want the, you know, we want to use Notepad and we want to use as much manual typing as possible because, <clears throat> you know, that just forces a sort of attention to detail that you need to do uh, really intricate work. But uh, I I disagree. I mean, if I was a C sharp programmer, I would want to I would want to use IntelliSense. I would want to use Edit and Continue. And I think the reason that they don't, you know, there's this whole faction of people out there that don't think that this is a great deal is because they never had it before, and they can do without it, and so they do. And it's the kind of thing where it ain't broke, so don't fix it. They don't know how good they that it could they could have it if they had these tools. And it doesn't mean that C sharp is getting dumber. You know what I mean? Exactly. It doesn't mean that, you know, if C-sharp got the my namespace, does that mean that a C-sharp programmer is uh, now somehow dumb, you know, dumbed down or C-sharp is dumbed down as a language? It's like VBNet. It has those things, but you can still do all the low-level stuff. 
And uh, and I think that's good. I don't think I think the reason people disliked see the C crowd disliked VB was because it wasn't architecturally object oriented, you know, because it didn't have the fundamental architecture to support the kind of applications they needed to write. Not the fact that it had it in continue and that it had the drag and drop designer. As soon as the C sharp people saw the the VB like designer and .NET, they went nuts. They were like, "Why are we doing it the hard way in C when we can just create Windows Forms and double click the buttons and write the code behind?" They thought that was the greatest thing. So I, I see a difference there between, you know, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Car- Carter. I think one of the things that used to sh- keep people uh, away from kind of integrated tool sets was the worry that it would somehow contaminate their code or, or right. get them into a corner where they're unable to further specialize or, right. or subclass. And I think that's one of the great things now is that they, you really don't paint yourself into a corner, even if you're leveraging all the automation of wizards and right. GUI layouts and things. Right. And the key is that you know what the... My, my rule of using wizards is I don't use any wizard that generates code that I don't understand and couldn't write. And right. that, that's when you get into trouble. Yeah. Right. So that's fantastic. I didn't continue in C Sharp. I think that's great. And I think, uh, you know, if I was a diehard C Sharp programmer using it all the time, I would welcome it. Certainly. So what are some of the other evangelism points that you uh, talk to people about when talking about C Sharp 2.0? Well, to be honest, at least this is Carter on my side. We a lot of the times we focus on the underlying platform capabilities yeah. that okay. may be surfaced in every one of the languages. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, if you look at the core of all of the languages that get into intermediate code that's ultimately running on the CLR, you know, if you make improvements, for example, in XML serialization, that just does tremendous things for all of those languages and all right. the apps that are on those <clears throat> languages. So some of the things that we kind of trumpet are around the improvements in WIDB for XML serialization and, and data. So the system.data and system.xml. Well, here's a question along those lines. If In, la- in last week's show, uh, Rory Blythe made the now infamous comment uh, to Chris Sells when he was describing, he said he could describe the compact framework in you know, 10 words or less <clears throat> to Chris Sells, who's just getting into the compact framework stuff. And Rory said, uh, you know, all it is is a wrapper around system not implemented exception. <laughs> 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 which was funny. Of course, it's not true. But... And, and, and Rory works for Microsoft now. Which <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really cool. <laughs> but, but you know, he was just sort of giving a voice to the experience that, you know, it's, with a compact framework, it's not what you can do. It's what you can't do because everything that you can do, you already know how to do if you're using, uh, you know, when writing WinForms apps. But that's a good question is what's new in the compact framework for, for WIDB? Do we have a new compact framework? Is there going to be yeah. a new? Yeah, I mean, the, there's two major differences. One is just writing code that interrupts with native code while you're writing managed code is much, much easier. So Okay. Uh, that's huge. Just just being able to call seamlessly between managed and native code is huge, especially in the device space. Oh, position. okay. Yeah. So, uh, and then the second thing I think is most likely around just the whole data access mechanism, where okay. you know if you write 
ADO.NET code, you've got that capability on the Compact framework, and there's big improvements there just in having that as a data access model. And you were so, talking, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, so I think those are probably kind of the two things that would stand out most for me are just the interop between managed and unmanaged code and kind of the good, consistent ADO programming model for data access. Mm. You were you brought up uh, XML serialization is the and and there isn't any there isn't a binary formatter for example in the Compact framework we have today. Are you introducing uh, any kind of serializer in the Compact framework in the next version? Yeah, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know on the Compact framework side. I I wish I had Craig Niebel online to answer that. I, yeah, actually, I know he's just on our serialization list. on the <laughs> client. There's uh, huge improvements, including binary serialization that. Mm-hmm. Literally um, four to six times faster in most situations. Wow. And then on some things that are tied to SQL Server, you've got huge improvements. Like if you were just to serialize something like 100,000 rows out of a database, it's this is anecdotal, so obviously this is right. recorded, but don't quote me on the statistic, okay. but it was 80, <laughs> 80 times faster to wow. select 100,000 rows with the new uh, system.data and XML wow. library. So. You know, and then to insert four times faster, and just in general, it's made everything a lot faster because the fact that at the core of .NET is a lot of XML data handling, these basic improvements in serialization are just phenomenal for the rest of the system. Are you using compression at all? Is there is there a compression component to WIDBY that that we didn't ha- that we don't have currently? Um, there, so in terms of the serialization to binary or or anything, but yeah, let's start there. Yeah, I mean, basically, there's two uh, two things that are big in the whole serialization and reading and writing of XML. One is just the ability to do it in binary, so that's compression in the form of going from text to binary. And then the second is, it used to be that you used to have to have these specialized classes for different types of XML reading. So if you wanted a validating reader versus a plain text reader, if you cared about UTF-8 encoding versus okay. UTF-16, right. instead there's more of like a, a factory model, a class factory model, that kind of pattern where you can open up an XML reader, set some attributes, and, and read all different kinds of things. So that's kind of on the programming side. So you get the fundamental serialization improvements and then the programming improvements with the ease of reading and writing without knowing a priori what kind of data you're going to be handling. That's awesome. Nice Good little stuff. tip there. Why don't, you know, why don't we do this as long as we're talking about new features and tips and stuff. Why don't I ask each of you guys, which, is, which are some of your favorite uh, things that are, are coming in WIDBY that we may not have heard about? And by that, I don't mean anything that's going to violate NDA, but just, you know, we, we've, we've heard the major features of ASP.NET, of VBNet, of C Sharp 2.0, what are some of the the little things like the serializer thing is something I never never heard of right uh, right before so well, just to close out on the ASP side because a lot of people have heard about things like web parts and master pages and things like that right right but uh, did you talk much about just the the general purpose provider model uh, are you talking about the data provider the way to hook into the data provider yeah but it's it's not just around providing, yeah, it, data provider is one example of it. But a binding one, provider, basically. Yeah, right. it, one of the cool concepts in ASP, I think, is .NET 2.0, is that you've got this 
provider model that lets you specialize at any layer of the app server. So, you, you know, instead of it just being a black box, you can literally change the behavior at multiple different levels. And a lot of people, once they've spent some time with ASP.NET, I think that's one of the aha moments is, wow, you know, you can, you can upgrade to different releases of software and have completely specialized solutions that are basically subclassing the app server. And so you see that in the way that web parts are implemented and the way that uh, membership services and administration are all implemented. But I think that's a huge, huge kind of, but maybe slightly less known aspect of ASP.NET. That is huge. I think Scott mentioned that in his, uh, in his show, but, but uh, yeah, that's a, it's a, that's a great feature. I haven't uh, looked into it myself personally. But it looks, you know, the way it was presented to me was that if you don't like the way that, uh, yeah, for example, the data provider is right. is working within, you know, at its particular level, you can subclass it. And so, right. And yeah. some of the things that I'm excited about going forward on that is you look at like a common scenario in, in companies where they need to have single sign-on or yeah. they want to sign-on that works across their partner organizations. Well, uh-huh. with ASP, you have a login page. It's kind of a standard widget that's also compliant with the provider model. Mm-hmm. So you could picture a scenario where you just kind of upgrade your system so that now they do full WS security-based uh, federated authentication across a whole bunch of different companies and not really have a huge application coding change on all your front-end login pages. So I think the flexibility it gives you is, is going to enable some phenomenal things. Um, a question from the chat room: Is the the binary formatter going to di- uh, serialize a data set as binary now, instead of XML, which it does currently? Um, it, is, it does serialize in binary, but the question is around data set, and I'm not sure. Sets. Let me yeah. uh, let me try to look up the answer to that offline while other people are talking. Okay. So that that was Steve. How about um, Jeff? That was, that was Carter. That was Carter. I'm sorry. That was Carter. I'm sorry. Let's, let's go to Steve next. Yeah, let's go to Steve next. <laughs> uh, I, one, one feature You're hired. That... <laughs> <laughs> I'm fired. You're hired. This is Steve. Um, one feature that I'm, I, I really think is, um, is really cool, it's not a low-level feature, and it's probably been talked about before, but um, is the uh, integration of the Widby CLR into Yukon, the SQL Server. Yes. Um, I'm a database guy from you know, by training in previous careers, and um, the ability to use you know first class languages in the third tier in the server to you know and, and the and the programming environment to write you know high quality um, you know um, modern to use a high quality modern language to implement store procedures, mm. uh, user defined functions, UDTs, uh, user defined data types is pretty advanced stuff. And I think, you know, it's maybe to folks who are used to programming on the first tier, the client, or the second tier with ASP.NET, you know, this is sort of slightly less sexy, this stuff that happens all the way, way back there on the third right. tier, that mysterious database stuff. But, you know, it, it is really a, a step forward to be able to use, you know, any any CLR language to, to manipulate SQL and, um, and, and to build abstractions. You know, you could always do store procedures, but now you can do functions and then create sort of these object-oriented things called user-defined data types. You know, that's pretty advanced stuff. What, tell me about really, those user-defined data types real quick. Well, 
Well, the idea is that you can, you know, if, if you're using SQL, if you use SQL, you're used to saying, this is what the data looks like. These are my columns. Yeah. Uh, Varchar or whatever. And, and, but now you can associate code with that, and you can have code that effectively um, implements derived columns or code that, is, uh, that wraps the uh, behavior of a column. So it's kind of it's a high it's it's a way to abstract. It's, it's no longer you know um, there's data there. Now you can say there's data in code, which gives you behavior. So for example, I could send send a data set to an advanced store procedure that I write that would break it down into its parts and call. I, I think uh, maybe a, procedures you know, or... a simpler a simpler thing is you could say this column is implemented completely in code. Oh oh okay. And you know that that's an extreme case, but it means that that's you know you can have a column that is. Uh, gets its behavior by looking at some other columns ah, and, and does okay. some smart stuff there. Um, so it's, it, it really does bring, you know, it brings that third tier a little bit forward in, into the future uh, with this managed code stuff now. Are, are DBAs who aren't programmers afraid? I think DBAs are always afraid. Um, <laughs> you know, when it, when it comes to the database, um, you know, there, there's all sorts of anecdotal stories about, okay. you know, how DBAs lock down the database and no one gets read access and everything is, you know, there are variations and, you know, right. all access is through a store procedure. You know, right. Don't, don't get near that data. And so DBAs are going to be, you know, always afraid, which is, you know, rooted in, in, you know, history as, sure. as a way to keep That's the data job. safe, which That's is understandable. Yeah. Uh, I think this makes it a little bit easier to write better code. You've got, as I keep saying, you've got these modern languages now that are, um, you know, uh, and modern and modern uh, development environments, and modern concepts like, um, you know, like functions. That it's easier to write better code there. Uh, you know, in the old days, people made fun of Fortran because it had go tos, and people people derided go tos as being uh, evil because it was it was harder to. You ended up writing uh, poor code or code that was less right. less provable. Yeah. Uh, now you're bringing this abstraction to that back tier, and, and that's got to mean higher quality code. And I think DBAs might eventually learn to, might eventually feel a little better about that in the future. Now I'm a, I'm a, let's say I'm a programmer and I have a relationship with Attila, my DB administrator and the DB administrator is all DB, doesn't write code, is, wants to learn, has it, you know, has a, a programming class in their horizon in the next few months. I want to write some extended if you want to call them extended store procedure, but I want to write some store procedures in code, I go to my DBA and they say, no. And you say, well, then you write it. And they say, well, I don't know how. I mean, this is a very human sort of political kind of office politics thing happening here. Do you, do you see this as, as, some, some, uh, as a barrier to, uh, to using this technology? I, I think I mean, that, that's such a, um, you know, that's sort of like a, such a important and sort of high level issue that I, right. I'm not sure that you know the, the particular future I'm talking about is going to change the world that way. I think it'll help sure. in that it it you you can sort of start talking um, you can start talking to the you know the programmer can right. start talking to the DBA right um, maybe in a more or maybe uh, have a programmer who knows both the database and code sort yeah, of being intermediary yeah, and, and also there. part of it is that um you know the fact that we're we're you know that you can use c sharp or vb back there or any other uh clr language it sort of means that it's a little bit easier to transfer skills 
from yeah. from one tier to another, and that's got to increase the confidence level. Although, you know, in the end, you are still programming to a database, so there right. are some rules that right. are kind of different than the first tier or the second tier. Hey, Kirk, um, do you do you have uh, one of these uh, uh, a database? Do you have a similar situation where uh, you yeah, work? Similar, actually. I I like to, if you could expand, uh, Steve, on the code behind in a column. Um, what sparked my attention was, I'm sorry, let me get a little closer. We're currently using uh, DTS pretty heavily for ETL solutions, uh, bringing in data from other, you know, various departments and sources, and we're bringing it in. They could be Fox Pro, whatever. Now we're using. We taught a lot of the DBAs um, a lot. Okay, both of them <laughs> <laughs> that are using the SQL. Uh, well, I mean, I got, we have an army of Oracle guys, and we got like two SQL guys. And um, they're basically just you know, data monitors. We'll have an account rep calling upon you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So um, I actually taught them VB script. So in the DTS packages during a transformation, you know, when they have to pull something in, they have to parse some fields into some other fields. They're actually just using some VB script, uh, VBA in the transformation windows. And I, when I took a peek at the 2005 uh, UConn, uh, I was frightened on how I was going to retrain you know these people who have had no formal development coding is this going to be a big challenge for them are they not going to be able to do the years worth of stuff that is it done simply already? that they're going to have to learn how to write code and that's all there is Ex- to it exactly i mean this is you a know big deal well, this is carter just be, from the perspective of what would drive them to want to write code i mean they still have all the same basic uh schema and table and data administration stuff that they had before. I think if we tie it to like a real example, I was mentioning the Keyhole and Excella collaboration. Picture you want to report on after an earthquake, how many people are affected in a particular neighborhood. And all you have is the street addresses and the number of occupants per house at street address. Mm -hmm. And, And somebody wants to visualize that on a map. How how would you do that today with a with a relational database? Right. ArcGIS map. What's that? Yeah. Well, so I mean, I think there'll be scenarios like that that drive people to consider. Okay, for this application, let's write some code that does the calculation of the uh, the region covered by those street yeah. addresses, mm-hmm. and then can graphically represent how many people are affected in that region in a way that you couldn't do by bringing yeah. tons of tabular data down. Uh, and you know what it is? Lately. You know what it is? I think we, we both, we all agree that technologically it has to happen, but it's a, it's the whole, you know, human aspect of it that people, and I'm thinking it's that- learning the, process. I'm th- actually thinking now that instead of, at, you know, having the DBA uh, sort of shift gears and now become part coder, part DBA, it's probably a better idea, just like we do in architecture, right? When we have a situation where two things aren't talking directly to each other, you have- a man in the middle, you know, you have, you have a, you know, something there to, uh, or a programmer in this case, who is, who understands the database that the DBA can trust. And they're responsible for writing all the code in the database. And they also talk to the programmers and, uh, and, and sort of act as a proxy or a filter for that process. And I think uh, architecturally in, in a team that makes the most sense. Do you guys think that's a good idea? As long as you don't step on anybody's toes. Right. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know. And, Inventing and a new job. Is, this, mm-hmm. I, I, th- I don't think we're saying that uh, we're going to revolutionize the roles here. I right. Think, uh, I think we're saying that the would-be technology, you know, and applied to applied right. to SQL makes it easier to write 
yeah. know, safer code, faster, and so forth. Um, I think the roles are still going to be there, and you know, you might get some people you know, looking over each other's shoulders with this new stuff. But okay, you know, the, the T-SQL stuff is still there, and and we're adding a new way here. Well, we got about uh, a, I don't know twelve minutes left or so. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, Jeff. What do you think is a, a really interesting aspect of Widby? Maybe well, I not so what I find really interesting at Widby is that you know just the the variety for the different areas of markets that we you know that you, that are available in, in Widby. And what I mean that is that we have different products that target different people. Um, one of the things is that you got Visual Studio Express, you know, target at the hobbyist, right? right. Slim down, um, light, quick to download uh, version of Visual, Stu- Visual Studio. Yeah. We have the professional series and all the way up to team system and, and the enterprise architect. Mm. And really, you know, that, that all across the life cycle, we, with Widby, um, we're going to have an option for you. Mm. And really related to that, I think that there's going to be some really interesting things in Express around starter kits. And those are mm. going to be um, little kits that people can... Uh, you know, can play with and get rolling with uh, from the standpoint of, you know, the, some of them that we shipped in the in the first beta was like an RSS screensaver starter kit. Yeah. Um, another starter kit that um, is going to do, uh, does let you manage your, your DVD collect, collection. And it was a VB.net um, sample that used the Amazon Web Services to be able to do that. I think huh. the starter kits, you know, you don't hear a lot of people talking about them yet, but I think it's going to enable a lot of things of getting people starting to program again. Well, that's and, good, actually. And just the range of the product from... From low end to high end, mm. uh, Whidbey is going to be there. That's good. We actually have some listeners that are constantly asking for, right. you know, swag and lunch boxes are great, but uh, can you guys send me Visual Studio? You know, like, <laughs> right, right. With right. an Express, that's that's going to be. I mean, that's perfect. It's a better option for those people who may not, you know, be able to get the full MSDN from their company, or they may be doing something completely different. They're like, you know, I really want to develop. I really want to code. Mm. I'm just, or just doing something, data you know, now. getting people started. The, you know, the idea is a little bit slimmed down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, something that I could maybe hand to my daughter when she turns six. No, six, um, yeah. You know, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, to write that first C-sharp application. Right. And, uh, you know, but it's a little bit slimmed down. It doesn't have all the the cockpit, but, you know, it's still very powerful. You still have the power of the whole .NET framework. And so that's what excites me is that, you know, you can look at a lot of different people. You can have four different people in four different roles in the room. Somebody who has just started a program, somebody who is a, you know, hardcore developer to somebody who is, you know, a real an architect, mm. and, and we have a product you know that's going to be suited to them, hopefully. And right. that's what really excites me is the, is the wide spectrum. Uh, cool. I didn't know that. And uh, Scott. Yeah, to kind of play off J- uh, Jeff's um, theme a little bit, and um, as opposed to specific feature sets, I'm I'm really excited about the way that we're kind of targeting or you know providing opportunities for the developers and our partners and our customers to. Uh, adopt uh, adopt would be and we're doing things like you know community days uh, uh, after the first of the year where you know we're, we're holding these one day seminars uh, basically for the developer to give them kind of an overview of all the new and salient features for would be uh, there are things, different programs uh, uh, that are, you're going to see on MSDN it's called MSDN ISV mm-hmm. uh, that's really going to have a would be based focus to it awesome. Uh, so there's just a lot of programs that you'll see in the coming uh, in the coming months, especially uh, around beta two time frame around February, hmm. uh, where we're just expanding our reach and uh, again hope, hopefully lowering lowering some of the barriers to development for uh, our partners so they can uh, uh, accelerate the adoption of of Whitby. Awesome. So what is the current uh, public ship time frame? Because it changes all the time. And I haven't asked a Microsoft person this in a long time. So, 
public time. Can you repeat that? When, when yeah, will Whitby be available? Right, yeah. yeah, right now, what's your ETA? I don't know what we've said publicly. It's, it's, just, it's just summer of 2005. Yeah. Is, mm-hmm. I think that's what okay. we said. All right, summer. Yeah, I don't think we've actually said, you know, the afternoon right. of the 27th of May. No, 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 no. I, I just meant a time frame. I heard, you know, January, February, March, April, you know, so so summer in 2005 is a good uh is a good target. You're saying. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And so so we really We've really pinpointed the dates there for you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's that's perfect. That's what I wanted. Just a time. You always frame. want to see somebody from Microsoft tap dance. You tell them, ask them about when the product's going to be released. I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it gets pretty quiet, doesn't it? I, yeah. I actually Can you repeat were... the question. There's a little static on the line. <laughs> I know. No, actually, I didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> question. Really? Question. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. So, uh, what's next on your agenda? Are you guys going to do any road shows? Are you are you going to uh, participate in any events locally? Is there anything you want to plug? Uh, well, let's see. Um, Besides the MSDN about... events that that go on in your local area, which we uh, we plug on our web page on our main. You know, the MSDN and... events are an awesome you know an awesome way to get plugged in and what's uh, what's right. happening and and what's going on. Yeah, that's an awesome place, especially now that they got Rory. Right. Uh, yeah. Doing that's that. right. That's, that's just crazy. Isn't uh, it? I was supposed to go down and see Rory. He, he did one at the Bella Bottega Theater here in Redmond, and I didn't make it, and I was so bummed. But, um, you know, the MSDN events are such a great way to uh, to get connected with the here and now and also mm-hmm. tomorrow. Yeah. That's true. Some of our community efforts, too, that you'll, you'll start to see. I would, uh, I definitely would plug the Microsoft.com forward slash partner website. Okay. If you go there, you'll start to see things. Uh, Again, like references to uh, MSDN uh, articles, uh, places where you uh, place where you can actually download webcasts. Uh, we'll also uh, put a lot of our e-learning uh, based training up on uh, uh, the partner site, so you should see those here in the, uh, in the coming months. Okay, and uh, from the chat room, does that mean Yukon is in that same time frame? Summer, it's all shipping together, right? More or less the same time. More frame, or less. Yeah. Okay, because you gotta have Yukon before you can have. Would be right, right? Yeah, they, they have yeah. it. Yeah, they have it. That's true. That, uh, there was just an email out today, guys, that were saying, you know, summer of two thousand five. You can say both binary, uh, both uh, Whidbey and Yukon. Great, okay. great. And the team system about the same time or shortly thereafter. What do you think about that? Actually, Jeff, uh, Jeff what, is, what is right around right around that time? I yeah, I was assuming it's the same time frame. I know yeah. they're you know they're coming in uh, a little hot. Uh, with the latest features compared to the rest of Whidbey, but my understanding is it's coming in that they will catch up by Sweet. Know, time to ship. Well, um, usually at this time in the show, guys, Richard Campbell, who is uh, Richard the Toy Boy, does a segment where he finds a, a good toy and a scary toy or a not-so-good toy out there, and we usually raffle one off and uh, sort of uh, have a contest, like a scavenger hunt contest. But uh, Rory's away and Richard is away, so it's sort of a uh, we're sort of getting back to our roots here. Uh, but it, what I would like to do is, you guys have obviously uh, a marketing closet. You you have the authority to give away some swag, some some good stuff, like maybe a, a Visual Studio .NET 2003 Enterprise. Is that something that we could get you guys to uh, to give away? Sure, sure. And I got a few Channel Nine foam guys. No, <laughs> oh, really. But doesn't yeah. everyone have one of those already? I can't give. No, sorry. <laughs> Please take our Channel Nine foam guys. What is a Channel but, Nine foam guy? 
You don't know what a Channel 9 foam well, guy is? Well, I know what it is on, on the as a picture, but is it an actual physical object? It's an actual physical made out of foam and squishy. Ah, okay. It's very squishy. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's find a uh, let's do a scavenger hunt. Maybe like a Google scavenger hunt. Jeff, um, let's let's pick you, Jeff okay. Sanquist. Let's pick something on your weblog that people will have to go uh, first find your weblog, and we won't give the URL. And then <laughs> okay. and then so- something that you posted recently, a fact that you want people to go find and relate. A, and the first, what, a fact. Yeah, some something that you published, something that you posted. Okay, what is my? No, no. Ask them. What did I have for breakfast on Monday morning? What did you? What did Jeff Sanquist have for breakfast on Monday morning? Last, last, last Monday. Last Monday, and that is readily available on on your blog. Okay, they, it'll take them a little bit. They should be able to figure it out. Okay, and we have a winner, and the the uh, the winner did not uh, leave their name, but their email address uh, alias starts N four C E R. So whoever that is, congratulations! Yeah, 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 yeah. And the and thank answer you for is, like driving traffic to my weblog. Oh sure, I now have eight visitors, eight people. That visit. <laughs> is, that a, is that a record or? It's a big day. We're gonna have it's gonna be a big night at Stanford's house tonight. Um, we will be celebrating. And the answer, by the way, is protein powder plus one tablespoon peanut butter plus one teaspoon of fiber powder plus one half a cup of berries. Wow, that'll keep you regular, huh? Yeah. Yeah, Carl, my girlfriend pointed out that email address is the Enforcer. Enforcer. Ah. Enforcer. Oh, Oh, and I think that's a plop right there. That is a plop. So Enforcer, uh, go ahead and send us your your, uh, snail mail address. And we'll get that to Microsoft, and you can enjoy very soon your new copy of Visual Studio 2003. Thanks, you guys. Uh, and I just want to say uh, thanks for coming on .NET Rocks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. And on behalf, Thank you. You're welcome. And on behalf of myself and uh, Kirk Webb in the studio, Dan Curla, Jeff Maciolik, and Shifty back in the sound room, Shifty. and Eileen uh, Crane, Shifty Jennifer Rocks. Ritzinger out there in the chat room listening in and making sure that we don't screw up. Thank you very much. For listening to .NET Rocks, and we'll see you next week. Rock Go on. check out Whitby. Go check Have out Whitby. Have a good weekend, guys. Bye. Bye. See you. Bye.